Welcome back everyone. I'm super stoked that you're here this week. That means you didn't get too mad about Dale Murphy. I will make it up to you today. How about that? Today we're going to talk about what I think the lineup and the 26-man roster is going to be this year, as well as a longer people's pitch segment that I hope you'll enjoy. Let's get started. Alright, let's get started. I wanted to preface this by saying that during the time of this recording that we are still dealing with COVID-19. The season has been delayed due to this. Prayers to everyone involved. If for some reason the season has already started when this airs, which is highly unlikely, we can look back and see how close I was. I also wanted to point out that this is what I think the lineup will look like, not what I think the lineup should be. That will be a people's pitch section of its own. First, we need to consider that the lineups will change based on if it's a right-handed pitcher or a left-handed pitcher on the opposing team. Typically, left lefty batters do better against righty pitchers and vice versa. Let's start with a righty pitcher. Alright, I'm going to say that the first one's pretty obvious here. We're going with Ronald Acuna batting first, playing right field. This is not going to change unless he gets hurt or injured, whatever, as far as batting order. Ozzy is going to bat second, playing second base. To me, this one's just as obvious. He will be here regardless of the handiness of the pitcher, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to move around much unless there's some type of trade that happens, which at the start of opening day, odds are next to nothing that that will happen. Uh, Freeman, he's been batting third for pretty much his entire career, so I don't see that changing. Do I think he should bat there? That's a different story for a different day, but he's going to be batting third. Ozuna playing left field. Well, obviously Freeman's going to be batting third, playing first base. Ozuna will be playing left field, batting fourth. They signed him specifically to be the cleanup, so why wouldn't he be in this position? It may change if he starts to decline. As far as opening day roster against right-handed pitchers, he will be playing left field, batting fourth. Alright, the fifth position. I think this one's probably the most difficult to predict. You're going to see different predictions across all different platforms. But for me, I believe Travis D'Arno will be batting fifth to start the season. But as the season progresses, he may move down in the order due to the fact that he bats right-handed. I will say sixth. Ultimately, all things considered, Camargo's probably going to be at third base this year starting off the season. He's a switch hitter. I think he'll be batting six in the order, regardless, unless D'Arno moves in the order. Swanson, I think, will be batting seventh. He bats seventh most of the time. Um, I don't see him batting behind Ender, uh, especially with the way that Ender's been batting the past few years. Um, unless Ender proves that he can get better with the bat, I see Ender and his speed 
batting eighth in the lineup. To me, that makes the most sense, and I also think that that's the route that Brian Snicker is going to take. And obviously, the pitcher will bat ninth. There's arguments that the pitcher should bat eighth, but I don't see Brian Snicker randomly deciding to start trying that strategy at the beginning of the year. So, the pitcher will be batting ninth, obviously. Alright, let's look at left-handed pitchers. Yes, obviously Acuna will be playing... Be batting first again. However, I see him playing center field against lefties. I see Ozzy Albies same spot playing second base. I see Freddie Freeman batting third playing first base again. No change with the Zuna. I think DRNO is even more certain that he'll be batting fifth against left-handed pitchers since he bats right. I see Duvall playing right field based on the handiness of the pitcher and hit in the way that he bats, I think, because they're going to bench Enders Enciarte against left-handed batters, that that's going to push Acuna to center, and Duvall would have the advantage, being as he writes, bats right-handed to play right field. He's actually uh, better defensively than one might think as well. That would put Camargo next playing third base. Swanson will be batting last, playing shortstop. The biggest change here is shifting Acuna to center. The biggest question mark for me is who bats fifth, Duvall with his power, or Dierno, who had a very solid year when he was on the field last year. Another thing to consider is both catchers are going to split a lot of time, uh, Dierno and Flowers, so that will affect the lineup quite a bit. However, we're talking strictly opening day, who they play against depends on who's going to be pitching. But those, that's who I project is going to be batting in what order and playing in what position. Is that the way I think it should go? I'm going to say no. This is my prediction. All right, let's look at the 26-man roster. Let's remember that it's 26-man instead of 25-man roster. Last year, you could only have a 26-man if you were playing a doubleheader. This year, it's going to be 26-man for the entire season. Also, when we go to September call-ups, it'll no longer be up to a 40-man. It's going to drop down to, I believe, 28. Don't quote me on that, but it's in the high 20s. That being said, let's look at the 26-man roster. Obviously, we're going to have our starters, which is Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, Enciarte, Swanson, Camargo, D'Arno. Then we have... Uh, who I think is going to be the starters this year. And by starters this year, I mean to start off the season. Obviously, they signed Cole Hamels to be a starter, but he is currently injured. So I'm going to say Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Mike Fotanowicz, Sean Newcomb, and Felix Hernandez. Some people will argue that they don't believe it's going to be Felix Hernandez or it might not be Sean Newcomb. Uh, and put Kyle Wright in that scenario. But what I really believe is going to happen is the Braves are going to do what they've done in the past, which is be more so of a six-man rotation type scenario where Kyle Wright will get some starts too until Hamels comes back. Even then, it may still be that way for the rest of the season. When Hamels does come out back, the question is going to be if they keep the guy in the 26-man roster or move him back and forth in between the minors and the majors. If we say that Kyle Wright is going to be on the 26-man roster, that is 14 spots, leaving 12. 
That being said, I believe the bench is going to consist of Markakis, Flowers, Duvall, and Adani. Sorry, Culberson fans, he will be on the roster at some point, but I don't think he makes it based on Camargo's versatility and Adani signing a major league contract. You wouldn't sign him to a major league contract if you're just going to option him later. So that's what says that for me. So to fill out the rest of the roster, we're going to look at relief pitchers, obviously. And this one is really exciting in the sense that this was a weakness last year, and now it's a true strength. I mean, we've got Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Will Smith, Josh Tomlin, Luke Jackson, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day. I'm going to say Grant Dayton. I would have said Bryce Wilson or maybe Tukey, but both of them have been optioned at the time of this recording. So that tells me that they're not going to break the roster for opening day. I do believe, however, that somewhere around the season, we will see Culberson, Bryce Wilson, and Tukey on the roster at some point based on injuries or underperformance or if they're just killing it in the minors and they want to give them a chance. So if you're a fan of one of those three guys, I wouldn't be too worried. You will see them play in some games this year. I just do not believe that they're going to open the season on the 26-man roster. It will happen, though. If I were a betting man, I would put money on it. I'm super stoked about the bullpen this year. And like I said last week, it's really going to make up not only the loss we got from Donaldson, but I think it will actually surpass it. We don't have the starting pitching that I wish we would have, but we have the ammunition to make a solid trade. I would like to dig into potential trade candidates as the season goes on, but it's really hard to make that prediction without seeing how teams are performing before the trade deadline. Not to mention, with COVID-19 happening, we don't know how the whole trade deadline thing is going to play out, and we won't be able to really tell what teams are contenders and what teams are sellers. But, that being said, there are definitely some candidates out there that the Braves should really consider, and in a few weeks, if not next week, I'll try to touch on those. If you guys have any suggestions on who you think they should go after, I'd love to talk with you guys on why I think that might be a possibility. Maybe trade packages that the Braves would use to get them, or why I don't think that would actually be a possibility. I love talking about trades, so if you have questions about trades, or if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, maybe two years down the road, and you still want to talk trades with me, send me a question to the Braves Dugout email bravesdugout at gmail.com or hit me up on twitter let's talk trades i love talking trades i'm sure you love talking trades let's do it all right it's time for us to take our first break of the episode hello listeners if you're like me you probably have multiple hobbies one of my hobbies is i like to dig into the film industry you know like stunt coordinators and behind the scenes type people, uh, script writers, all that kind of stuff. It's a hobby of mine. I really enjoy it and I'm, and I'm sure some of you enjoy it too. So I want to take a moment to let you know of another great entertainment podcast called The Above Average Joe Show. Joe, who works in the film industry, sits down and talks to his friends that have worked in film. It includes stunt performers, actors, actors doubles, casting agents, and more. They play games, tell stories, and give you some behind-the-scenes info about some of your favorite movies and television shows. It's a fun podcast I know you'll want to check out. After my podcast is over, of course. So, when you get a chance, 
take a listen to this awesome podcast. I know that you will enjoy it. Alright, let's jump into one of my favorite segments, the Peebles Pitch. This week's, it's controversial because everyone has their own opinion on this stuff, but really, it's just a fun segment, and I encourage you all to post your own version of these on our Twitter, at Braves Dugout Pod. That's at Braves Dugout Pod. We're going to look at two things. Make a lineup of best Braves single seasons all time, and I will do a lineup of my favorite Braves as well. Let's look at best single seasons lineup. I want to give Brian Custer a shout out for this idea. Great idea, bro. Keep them coming. This was a really fun one. Everyone, let's keep the ideas flowing. I want to give you content that you want to hear. First, let me explain two stats that will help you understand why these players were chosen. OPS Plus and ERA Plus. These numbers factor in all the ballparks to factor in hitters' parks and pitchers' parks. It also takes in the data for all the players across the league, where 100-plus would be average and 150-plus would be 50% better than average. In case you're wondering, 150-plus is insanely good. That's time and a half. Let's remember, these are best single seasons, not careers. First, let's look at catcher. Javi Lopez of 2003. His slash line is batting average of 328, OBP of 378, slugging percentage of 687, with, which equals a 169 OPS plus, and he had 43 homers. Somehow, he only finished fifth in MVP voting. It should also be mentioned that he had league average output behind the plate, which typically you don't see with an offensive-minded catcher. To me, it's a crime he did not win, much less get better than fifth place. We probably will never see a season like this from a catcher in a very long time. For first base, I'm going to go with Big Cat Galarraga from 1998. A joy to watch. This one was close, especially with the recency bias of Freddy. Uh, Freddy's had some great seasons, but this dude straight raped. He batted 305 average, 397 on base percentage, a 595 slugging percentage, which equals out to a 157 OPS plus, not to mention 44 home runs. Second base, Rogers Hornsby of the year 1928. It's a long time ago. But the dude freaking killed it. He had a 387 batting average, a 498 on base percentage. Guys, that's getting on base every other time you get up to bat. OPS plus of 202. His slugging percentage was 632. That's a war of 8.8. .8. That's a huge season, guys. I almost went with Marcus Giles of 2003 because he's probably my favorite Brave second baseman. But I had to go with this otherworldly performance. It's straightly insane. That 8.8 .8 war for one season, that's uh, better than some of the seasons Mike Trout has had. Not to mention an OPS plus of 202. That means he was literally 100% better than the rest of the league. Third base, I know we want to say chipper here, but honestly we're going to have to go with Eddie Matthews from 1953. This one was the closest race in my opinion. Chipper had an amazing 2007, but he is just short. 
Eddie had a line of a batting average of 302, 406 on base percentage, 627 slugging, with a 171 OPS plus, with 47 home runs, and an 8.3 war. Chipper Jones fell just short at a 7.6 war. So I have to give that one to Eddie Matthews. Don't hate me. We all love Chipper Jones here. I'm just giving the stats. For shortstop from 1964, forgive me if I say his last name wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know this, but best single season for shortstop was Dennis Menke. Again, I want to go more recent and say for call of 2005, um, but Minky beat out for call with a war of 6.7 to for call 6.5. He also beat him in most every single offensive category. For call's 46 stolen bases sure do look pretty though. For center field, I'm going to go with our boy Andrew Jones. I mean, it was inevitable that he was going to win this one, I think. Um, I'm still bitter that in 2000 he did not win MVP that year. I mean, come on. He had a full one more better season than Jeff Kent. Andrew batted 303 average, 366 on base percentage with a 541 slugging percentage. His OPS was 126 and he had an 8.2 war. One thing to point out is that even though he did that well, I believe he had a high 30 home runs, his OPS plus was still really low. And I believe this just has to do that it was during the time when people were getting caught and using steroids or just coming out of the steroid era. And so there's a lot of people jacking bombs during this time. So that's why his uh, OPS plus is a little bit lower because it's an average. And his slugging is not as high as some of the other guys here. But still, this is the best single season by a brave center fielder. I do want to say that I need to give Dale Murphy some credit here. To me, he's second place on this list. Dale Murphy had an amazing 1987 campaign. He had a 7.7 .7 war, and he actually had a decent defensive season by Dale Murphy standards. He is easily second on this list. Right field, Hank Aaron, 1963. Let's be honest, we knew that Hank Aaron was going to be the right fielder. We just didn't know what year. Offensively, he had a better year in 1959 with a 182 OPS plus and an 86 8. 0.6 war, which is straight bonkers, but if you look at 1963, he had a better defensive year, putting him at 9.1 war. Let's look at left field now. In 1989, great year, the year I was born, Lonnie Smith, dude straight raked. He had a 315 batting average, a 415 on base percentage, which is insane, slugging percentage of 533. His OPS was plus was a 168 putting him at 68% better than the average player and he had an 8.8 .8 war season crazy good year all right let's look at the starting pitchers i'm going to go with a five man rotation here depending on the era there's more than five less than five but we're going to go with a five man rotation here don't be mad at me we're just looking at stats, okay? I know that people get touchy when it comes to starting pitchers because the Braves have a great legacy of starting pitchers. We'll go with SP1 Negro, 1978. He had a 142 ERA plus and a 10 war. That is an insane season, guys. SP2, our boy Greg Maddox, 1995. Check this out. A 260 ERA plus with a 9.7 war. 
The caveat here is that obviously when he was on the mound with his massive 260 ERA plus was far superior, but we're looking at a full season with all stats encompassed, giving him a slightly lower war. But think about that, a 260 ERA plus, are you freaking kidding me? That's, that's 160% better than the average player, 160%. SP3, we're going to go with Spawn, 1953, 188 ERA+, that's 88% better, with an 8.9 war. SP4, I'm going to go with Tom Glavin of 1991, 153 ERA+, and an 8.5 war. And for SP5, I'm going to go John Smoltz of 1996, this is when he was a starter pitcher, 149 ERA+, in a 7.3 war. I'm going to say that I specifically picked single seasons from different pitchers here so we didn't have multiple seasons from the same guy. Looking at relief, O. Flaherty, 2011, straight insane season. He had a 393 ERA plus, 393, you heard that right, 293% better, and a 0.98 ERA for the season straight insane I didn't even realize how good he was that year until I started looking at the stats and for Craig Kimbrell uh, I wanted to go Smoltz here because he had 55 saves in a season but one I use him for an SP already but Kimbrell's numbers are video game like this year you thought uh, 393 ERA plus was crazy. Kimbrell had a 399 ERA plus that's almost 300% better than the average reliever while striking out 116 batters and only walking 14. This is a reliever, guys. He had 116 strikeouts as a reliever. That's straight insane. Now, one thing I'd like to do is I'd like to create a lineup based on these guys. So we're going to take these single season guys, put them into a lineup. Figured this would be a blast. So let's get started with that. Batting first in the order, I'm going to go with Minky here. With the speed and the OBP combo that he displays, to me, this is a no-brainer. Um, second in the order, I'm going to go with Hornsby. He got on base half of his at-bats, and he had power. Are you kidding me? This is a prototypical second-hole guy. This is the type of guy you want batting second. You want, to have, you want him to have high OBP, and he definitely fits the bill. Third, I'm going to go Big Cat here. This might come as a shocker, but the reason I would not put Aaron here is because this position is proven to have the highest probability to go up to bat with two outs and no one on. It's strictly probability based, so that's why I'm going Big Cat here and not someone like Aaron or Matthews. The statistics prove it, and so I'm just going to stick with that. We'll dig more into why I would do something like this and why I'd want someone like Hornsby at second and Aaron at fourth in a later episode but just know that it has to do with the probability fourth i think if he's not third then obviously we kind of already knew this was coming i would put hank aaron as if we thought anything else fifth i'm going to go with eddie matthews here that ops plus is hard to put any lower in the lineup in an in a lesser lineup which would pretty much be literally any lineup we would have him higher in the lineup, but in this particular lineup, we're going to put him fifth because there's a reason we have four guys ahead of him. We want to get this guy as many at-bats as he possibly can without putting him up too high. 
Sixth, I'm going to go with Lonnie Smith here. Wow, can you imagine having a season like he had in bat sixth? This lineup is straight bizarre. Seventh, I'm going to go with Javi Lopez. Still amazing power and on-base percentage combo going on here. So we're going to put him seventh. Eighth, we're going to go peak Andrew Jones. Seriously, peak level Andrew Jones batting eighth. Just kind of shows how crazy this lineup would be. He fits here due to his speed, and when the lineup starts over, he has a high enough OBP that he has a good chance of being on. So when the lineup refreshes, he'll be on base with his speed to get around. I know he wasn't like a huge stolen base threat, but as far as his speed and his athleticism, he fits well in the eight hole. All right, let's do something fun. I'm going to share my favorite Braves players at each position in no particular reason or order. I would love, love, love for you guys to share with me on Twitter your favorite player by position. Remember, the handle is at Braves Dugout Pod, at Braves Dugout Pod on Twitter. I'm also going to put up all three outfield spots in a single category. I'm not going to set it up as like right field, left field, center field. I'm just going to pick three outfielders. It just makes it more fun that way. You guys can do it, obviously, however you want. That's just the way I'm going to do it. For catcher, I'm going to go with Javi Lopez. I mean, I'm a fan of Brian McCann. Other than uh, learning about the whole Astros debacle, I'm sure everyone was a huge fan of McCann themselves. But I'm going to have to go with Javi Lopez here because, man, what a joy he was to the game. Loved watching the dude play. First base, Freddie is my favorite for sure. But I want to say I loved watching Julio Franco and Big Cat. Both of them were a lot of fun. Man, Julio Franco breaking all those records as the oldest player. I'll never forget when he broke the record for the most, I won't say most, sorry, the oldest player to steal a base. He was in his freaking 40s stealing bases. It was crazy. So much fun. Third base, Chipper Jones. Would anyone born after the 60s pick anyone else? Probably not, unless you have a personal connection to him or something like that. Well, shortstop, I'm going to go with Raphael for call here. That unassisted triple play just got me. That was such an awesome play. I did love Edgar Renteria when he played for us, but, man, for call, the little, he, was, he looked like he was four foot tall out there, straight killing it on defense. But, uh, man, did I love watching him play. Outfield, I'm going to go with Gary Sheffield. We didn't have him for long. But, and man, was he bad at defense, but I loved that bat wiggle. And the way he hit line drive home runs, so much fun to watch. I wish we, wish we could have had him longer, but, you know, it's a business. But I sure did love when we had him on the roster. Second outfielder, Andrew Jones. Best defensive player as far as I'm concerned. Don't quote me on it, though. I still need to research that. But I know that he has, by some metrics, had some of the best offensive years. And as you guys know, I'm kind of a big proponent for defense. I love Andrew's defense. I believe that he actually did deserve a lot of his gold gloves rather than it just being a consolation prize to people that didn't win the MVP like Raphael Palmero. And third, I'm going to go Dale Murphy here. He did most of his playing time before I was alive, so I didn't get to watch him much. But the things that I have seen and the way that he captivated the Braves fan base during the era that he was in, it just speaks for itself. There's a ton to name here, though. I also love David Justice and Brian Jordan. They were both fun to watch. Brian Jordan was such a great character. But 
Dale Murphy, the the impact he had on the Braves fan base makes him a favorite of mine. Sorry I bashed him last week. That wasn't the intent. I was more trying to show statistics and logic away from emotion. Great all-time Brave. He 100% deserves to be in the Braves Hall of Fame. No doubt in my mind. For starting pitchers, number one, I'm going to go with John Smoltz. I kind of have a personal reason why. Um, I love collecting his baseball cards. But a fun fact is I was actually at the spring training game where he got injured, which resulted in him moving into the bullpen. Dude was a straight beast, loved watching him pitch. Number two, SP2, again, no particular order, Tim Hudson, straight pitching stud, and he graduated from Auburn, so that helps. I'm an Auburn fan if you guys didn't know. Sorry, if don't, don't quit listening to my podcast if you're an Alabama fan. I still want you to listen, but I'm an Auburn fan. You'll probably catch that in some later podcast. Tim Hudson, straight baller. I hate that he couldn't win a World Series with the Braves uniform, but I am happy for him that he won one with the Giants. Third, I'm going to go with Tom Glavin. 100% belongs in the Hall of Fame. Such a great lefty. Uh, man, I wish I could go back and watch him pitch more. And then, obviously, you kind of would have guessed with the trend I'm going, Greg Maddox is going to be on there for me. Everybody loves Greg. Such a such an artist with the ball. And then fifth, this one was hard, but I'm going to go with my age and the way I grew up. Um, my, my older sister was actually a Braves fan as well, and so I watched games with her, and I loved watching whenever Steve Avery was on the mound. So I'm going to go with Steve Avery fifth. Boring and pre- predictable on the SPs, I know, but those are my five. They're my favorites. As far as relief pitcher, I'm going to go recent here. I'm a big fan of Sean Newcomb. I know he has not lived up to the hype. They had to move him to the bullpen, and that's why I have him as the RP role. And I know he walks too many people, but man, when he is on, the dude is a straight stud, and I love his curveball. I can't imagine batting against someone that tall and that commanding with that type of curveball. I just enjoy watching him pitch. As far as closing pitchers, I put Smoltz as a starting pitcher, so I'm going to default to Kimbrell here. When he was in a Braves uniform, man, it was almost automatic. His stuff was such lightning. When he was in his prime, he was the best reliever in the league, hands down. A lot of people will argue that Mariano Rivera should be considered the best at the time because of his track record and his postseason play. But as far as statistically goes, Kimber was better than Mariano Rivera even in his prime. And to me, it's not even close. Although I would say I wouldn't complain if I had Mariano on my team. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Kimbrell was a straight beast on the mound. Don't forget, everyone, to post your favorites on Twitter. Even if you're listening to this three years after it's recorded, I still want to see your favorite players on Twitter. I'd love to see that stuff. Let's talk about it. Again, the Twitter handle is at BravesDugoutPod. At BravesDugoutPod. That's the show, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to listen to me rant about the Braves. Thank you so much for joining in. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share, share, share. The more you share, the more it gets out there. The more listens I get, the more content I can put out. 
Send me your questions on Twitter at BravesDugoutPod or email BravesDugout at gmail.com. Send me as many questions as you want. I would love to have an Ask Me Anything segment where I'd throw out your questions and answer them. So I'd love for you to send those to me. I would also love to hear topics that you want to hear about. Fingers crossed that this COVID-19 thing ends, people are safe, no one else gets sick, and this baseball hiatus ends. See you all next week. Go Braves and chop on.